Let me pray as Mark comes and brings God's word. Lord, we wake up this morning, and for those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, we have great joy. We have great hope. We have great peace. And yet, God, we know that in this world we will have trouble. And you say, take heart, for you have overcome the world. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully inside each person in this room. I pray that those that have never called on the name of Jesus this morning would be the day of salvation for them, that you would open their eyes to the truth and beauty of your gospel. For those of us that know the gospel, Lord, that it would be something that would powerfully move us to love, that you would transform us. God, that you would work powerfully in us. And Lord, that we could, for just the next 45 minutes, put aside every distraction, every weight, everything, and just as Mary sat at your feet, that we would just sit at your feet and listen to your word because you have the very words of life. And God, now I pray for my brother Mark as he comes and brings your word. Lord, may this be life-giving. May your Holy Spirit be ever-present in our time of need. And God, may we walk out of this church building forever changed, not because of anything that we've done, anything that we've heard, anything that's about us, but all because it's about you. And I pray that this morning in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I have looked forward to this moment for a long time. And it's my privilege to be able to open up God's word with you. I must confess, though, I've been having this series of reoccurring dreams where I'm standing in front of a group of people and I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. So I've got that going for me. But no, really, uh, what a great opportunity. We're going to be in Psalm 91, if you can turn there, Psalm 91, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a little history about myself since you don't know me, most of you very well, I don't know you very well. I am an elder of this church. Uh, Stacy and I were asked to help plant the church from Gospel City in uh, Mishawaka, and it has been uh, a really amazing time to see the way the Lord has moved. But I'm going to share a little bit just about uh, my life and how it has to do with faith and the journey that God has, has taken us through. <clears throat> my wife's name is Stacy, and we met in the fifth grade. Uh, I was pretty bold back when I was in school, and as we got into high school, our senior year, I thought she looked pretty good. And I decided that I would like to date her. So I said to her, hey, please break up with your boyfriend. Um, I don't know that I use the word please, though. Uh, break up with your boyfriend. And uh, she did. And eventually I broke up with my girlfriend so that we could date. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good. It worked out okay. But we began dating. <clears throat> 18 
months later, me at the age of 19, she at the age of 20, we got married. Three years later, we have our son Trent. Three years after that, we have our daughter Courtney. Life in the fast lane, let me tell you. Although life had its ups and downs, I would say overall, it was a have your cake and eat it too kind of life. We were involved in a church and put ourselves into opportunities to learn and grow. In my late 20s, I had the opportunity to do an intense Bible study with uh, three other godly men. And uh, this study was called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby and Claude King. If you've never done it, I would suggest you do it. It changed my life. And I learned about what is called a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief is that it does reveal the depth of your faith. And the Lord was laying things on my heart, and this is the crisis. The Lord lays things on your heart that he would like you to do. And then you have to decide if you're going to do them. And so in my crisis of belief, what had happened was the Lord laid something on my life, and it was very, very difficult. But I trusted, and I proved my salvation. I stepped out in faith. It wasn't easy what I did, but God's blessing was real and very obvious. I work and worked at a small business that my grandfather started many years ago. And my dad purchased it from him. And I purchased it from my dad in 2005. And this is when everything started to change. I don't know if you remember, but 2005 was right at the beginning or of the Great Recession. For the next seven years, we struggled to keep the business alive and to pay our bills. Very difficult times. We had spent all of the money that we had and the equity in the business and the equity in our home was gone quickly. My daughter, who was a senior in college a few years later, or while we were in the midst of that, had a life-changing experience. Her senior year of college um, was very tough, and it affected us all in the family very deeply. We were called to leave. As you can see, I'm just giving you things that had happened to us. We were called to leave in this time our church of over 30 years and to start over someplace new. All of the investment that we made into people that we loved was gone. Not gone, but we weren't there. It was just different. Stacy started having some health issues that were eventually diagnosed as Lyme disease. She needed uh, to start some medication, and we discovered that the medication was $50 a pill, and she needed one pill per day, and that was to start out. But a cool God story around that. The doctor, in us just talking with her, um, she was up in, in Michigan, north of Detroit, and uh, she ended up giving us samples 
for almost two years. Huge God thing. Our son had an extremely rough experience at the ministry. He had worked, worked at for six years. After that, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I had a procedure to remove it. About two years ago, our grandson was born. And due to complications, he spent 17 days in the NICU. And then finally, last October, I came down with COVID, and I nearly lost my life. I don't tell you this story for you to pity us, nor do I want to communicate that we're stronger or more spiritual or more loved by God than you because we are not. Many of you, I see the prayer requests. Many of you have gone through worse and are facing life and death situations right now. I tell you this. Because although these experiences were incredibly difficult, we began to realize that faith in God was absolutely necessary to keep us moving in a positive direction. We were dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. So one final thing before we read this psalm. We must understand that this passage is not saying that we won't go through difficult, painful things. Satan would love for you to believe that God has not kept his promises. And that would certainly lead to us pulling back from God. We must look at this with understanding that what was meant for evil, God meant for good. As I read this passage in Psalm 91, follow along with me or close your eyes and meditate on the words of God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Excuse me. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare. And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may, a, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. 
He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Pray with me if you would, please. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I thank you that uh, we can trust you. I thank you that you spell right out here that you are for us, not against us. Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts in a way that only you can. Lord, help us to trust, to love you more. Increase our faith. In your name we pray, amen. So if I were going to title this, thank you very much, I knew that was coming. Not enough to bring my own though up front. If I were to title this, and I have, it would be, I've Got Your Back. This psalm is broken up in three sections, God's presence, God's protection, and God's promise. Let's look first at God's presence. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So the first question that I would ask is, what does it mean to dwell? Well, really, it's quite easy, right? We dwell in our homes. To dwell is the place we live. But what does that look like as it pertains to dwelling in the shelter of the Most High? You may have some other ones than I'm going to suggest. But I would say, when we dwell, we come to know about God and his character. His attributes. What's he like? Secondly, we spend time in his word. If we're going to dwell, we need to be in God's word. We have it available to us. We should study it. We should know it. But we spend time in his word if we dwell. Next, we have conversations with him and about him. If we're going to dwell with him or in his fortress, we should have conversations with him. And if God is your dwelling place, then you should have conversations with people about him. This is a big one for me because we encourage each other as we hear what God is doing in the lives of people. We are obedient. Not perfect by any means. Are we, we are not perfect. But are you more obedient than you are disobedient? Next one is, we are sanctified. The more we dwell with the Father, the more we are under his care, the more we become like him. And then lastly, which is really where I want to go with this message, is we grow in faith and trust. 
how important is this? So there is a story in Matthew 8, 513, that uh, goes something like this. There's a centurion who comes across Jesus, and he sees miracles that are being performed, and he says to Jesus, Lord, I have a dear servant who lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said, then I will go to he and heal him. And he says, Lord... I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and I say to that one come and he comes. I tell my servant do this and he does it. Jesus said of a centurion soldier, I have found no one in Israel with such great faith that he believed he could send one of his servants, one of his disciples, to his servant at home, showed incredible faith. And Jesus said, go. It will be done as you believed it would. And if you look in Matthew 8, you'll see that it said, and at that hour, his servant was healed. God finds faith so important that he even uses others' faith to impact us directly. That is amazing. When your faith is low, others come and fill it. I know you've experienced that. I've experienced it. I'll tell you more about that. Is your faith strong enough that your requests move the heart of God? We have to have faith and trust to live to the full and please God. If you look at Hebrews 11.6, you'll see it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly Seek him. Now this is for everyone who dwells. Men, women, girls, boys, young ones. Don't miss this. Faith is for all ages. Faith isn't just an adult thing. God works in the heart of children. Young ones, you need to understand that God wants to work in you and through you so you can glorify him and bring others along who need him. Remember the young boy David who took out Goliath and became a king. You can and you will impact people for Christ if you dwell. So the question is, what characterizes your life? Are you dwelling or just visiting? This psalm was written for those who dwell. This is a song of encouragement. And that's what I want to do today is I want to encourage you. 
it is for those who believe and call Jesus their Lord and Savior. And the psalmist has described God with six different names in the first two verses. Most High, Almighty, Lord, Refuge, Fortress, and my God. Spurgeon said this, to the men who dwell in God, the most evil forces become harmless. Their feet come into contact with the worst of foes. Even Satan himself nibbles at their heel. But in Christ Jesus, they have the assured hope of bruising Satan under their feet shortly. Verse number three. It won't all take this long. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will save you. The traps of the enemy will not work. Ultimately, God prevails. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Secondly, God's protection. Verses 4 through through 13 speaks of this. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. This brings thoughts of a mother bird, right? We have a nest right outside our window. You can see the eggs in it. You can see the mother come and sit on the eggs. You can see the hawks in the tree. My wife would go outside and try to scare the hawks away because she didn't want to see the hawks go after the eggs. But the mother would try and protect those eggs. And this is saying right here, surely, excuse me, he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. God is faithful to bring us under his wings and cover us. In doing that, we're closer to him. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by days, nor pestilence or plague. Thousands may fall at your side, but it will not come near you. So I remember the day that I found out I had cancer. I went to a local coffee shop, which is kind of odd because I don't like coffee. But I went to a local coffee shop um, to read my Bible. And I sat down, and before I get, could get it open, I was so overcome with fear that I began to cry. And I know the guy that was sitting across from me was extremely uncomfortable. 
that I struggled to stay in control. I was allowing my circumstances to dictate my emotions and thoughts. Now it's not bad or wrong to cry or even fear. But when fear is debilitating, then we aren't dwelling. Jesus had fear. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked God to please let this cup pass for me. Why would he do that? He was fearful. Scripture says he sweat blood. He asked his disciples to pray with him and pray for him. And they couldn't do it. But Jesus did fear. But he didn't run. Verses 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 say this, If you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Certainly we would all agree that many bad things can happen to those who dwell. But we need to understand and believe that God is in control. This whole chapter speaks about God being in control and his sovereignty. That is so key for us. Verse 13, he empowers us and makes us victorious. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Jeremiah 32, 17 backs this up by saying, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And thirdly, God's promises. I just found this so encouraging as I read through this. At this point, we see a change in the way God is speaking, don't we? He now speaks directly to us. He doesn't speak through someone else as he. He says, he speaks to us directly. And he promises I will, says the Lord. And what is the basis for this promise or these promises? It is because he loves me. The first one, I will rescue him. I will protect his name, or excuse me, I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. I will answer him. Do you hear God speak? Does God answer you? I can't tell you the address of where this verse is, but it would say something like, 
you don't hear him because you don't know him. So in the midst of the downturn in our economy, uh, there were times that I was absolutely desperate. Crying out to God. I can remember one time um, driving into a restaurant to eat lunch and uh, had a big weight on my shoulder because in a few days I had to make payroll. And um, I don't run a large company. It's a small company. And that sometimes maybe makes it a little harder because you're vested in these people and they're like family. And I'll just tell you, this may not seem like a lot of money to you, but when you have none, it seems like a ton. But I needed $20,000. And I sat in the parking lot of this restaurant and I wept. And I prayed for God to supply. Because what was I going to do? Expect these people to work for free? And I had a deal with God. God is in the deal-making business. My deal was, if you will be very clear with me, I will give glory to your name to everybody that I talk to. And he decided to take me up on that. And so uh, I went in after praying for guidance and direction and that I would respond right regardless of whatever the result was. And uh, I went in and ate and went back to the office and while I was gone, someone had come in and paid for a kitchen up front to the tune of $20,000. And so guess what I did? I told everybody at work. The majority of people at work weren't believers. How can you explain that? Well, you could, you could maybe say it's coincidence, but I, I don't believe that at all. That's God answering me. The next one was, I will be with him in trouble. The day that I went into the hospital, I woke up. I said to Stacy, because it was long enough, I should have been done with this whole COVID thing. But the day that I went into the hospital, I woke up that morning and I said to her, I think we're in trouble. And so through the help of a friend, we ended up getting me to the hospital and when I went into the hospital, there was no one in the emergency room. I walked right in. My oxygen level was in the low 80s. And God parted the sea for us as we went to the hospital and got right in. They started treatment on me right away. Now, you've all heard stories of how people struggled even to get in to see a doctor. And we got right in. It was amazing. I will be with you in trouble. The next one is, I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, the final one is with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. None of us have a time frame of our life, right? 
the older I get, the more I realize it's going really fast. So there is no guarantee of how long your life is going to be. But God says, I will satisfy you in whatever the length of your life is. And I will show you my salvation. I think sometimes we also look at things just through our own perspective, right? Because that's really what we have. We have to understand that God is looking in a much bigger perspective. You've heard Ben talk a lot lately about this is not our home. This is the warm-up. We're just doing drills. But the point of this is so that we can glorify God and bring other people with us. So for me, as I was able to see the hand of God move, I kept my end of the bargain up. This is part of the end of that bargain right here today. I'm declaring to you what God has done and that God is faithful and that you can trust him. Question is, do you know you love God? And it's followed up with, how? How do you know that? God acknowledges and, in, and is glorified by our knowledge for him. But we cannot mis- mistake our knowledge for love. I went years ago with some pastors, uh, with four guys from, from Elkhart, and we met up with some pastors from all across the country uh, in Israel. And uh, I happened to be with Dave Hills on that trip. It was, an, it was an amazing trip. And I'll never forget that the tour guide, there were like 40 pastors on this bus and the tour guide, his name was Aton. How I remember that is just by the story, because I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Uh, but Aton, in Israel, you have to be a, you have to have a master's degree in history to be a uh, tour guide. Aton took us all over the place in Israel. He took us to Bethlehem. He took us to Mount Sinai. He took us over here. He took us over there. And he would quote scripture like nobody's business. Of all the pastors on this bus, he knew more scripture. He quoted it. He would tell you the story. He would tell you how God used it. He could take it from beginning to end. And one of the pastors said to him, and this is what stuck to me, how did you become a believer? How did God change your heart? And this is what he said. Oh, I don't believe this. This stuff to me is like your Paul Bunyan. That should ring true in our ears that it isn't about your knowledge. It's about your heart. It's about your love. And the love and trust that we display to God comes from our faith. Pray with me. Lord, 
thank you for your word. Thank you that you didn't just put us here in this earth and say, try to figure it out, but you've given direction. You've given us uh, an ability to find you through your son. And not only did you give us the ability to find you through your son, but then you have protected us. You are our refuge. We thank you for that. Lord, increase our faith. Help us in our unbelief. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.